You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I am Steph and you are listening to Polytheism 101. Now, deity work is something that we have discussed on this podcast before, but there have been a few mentions of it across various episodes. And even though there was one um, episode, I think maybe in the first season, that talked a little bit about this, I have since gotten a lot more questions um, and more detailed questions about polytheism in general. So I thought I would have an episode where everything is kind of just covered in one place and I answer a lot of those frequently asked questions. So hopefully this will clear up some of those misconceptions, but if you have any other questions after this episode is over, please let me know so I can address those again someplace else. So the first place to start is, of course, what is polytheism in general? No. Polytheism is simply the belief in more than one deity. This is seen in many different pagan religions. So polytheism falls under the general umbrella of paganisms, but not all pagans are polytheists. Not all pagans have a belief in a deity or multiple deities at all. Within this realm of polytheism, though, is where some of the sort of, you know, confusion comes in because there are really two types and that is hard polytheism and soft polytheism. Hard polytheism is a little more straightforward and that is the belief that every being out there is a separate deity in their own right. So you have Greek pantheon and Norse pantheon and Egyptian pantheon and every one of those deities within that pantheon is their own separate deity. And there is no crossover. They are not the same. So if you are working with the Greek gods and goddesses, those are completely different than the gods and goddesses that are that people of a Celtic background are working with. Soft polytheism, on the other hand, is the belief that similar gods from these different pantheons that hold dominion over the same subject are just personifications of one being. So there's multiple ways to think about this. So that's why it gets so confusing because everybody is going to have a different belief system about this. So there's one belief under this soft polytheism category that all female deities are just part of one higher female deity. This is what you see often in Wicca. So Wicca believes in the god and goddess, but then also will work with the various personifications of that god or goddess. You see it a lot in Celtic Celtic mythology and Celtic Wiccanism that Wiccans will work with Brigid or Hecate. But at the end of the day, they believe that those are all part of one female goddess energy. Not that they are separate, not that Brigid is a separate deity, but that she's just part of this overall feminine deity. And these personifications are just making it a little bit easier to work with a certain aspect of that energy. But at the end of the day, it's just the god and goddess and everything goes back to them. There is another example in soft polytheism that all goddesses or gods that are associated with a certain dominion are all the same. So all goddesses of love or all gods of war are ultimately the same 
goddess or god. They are just called something different based on the region that that religion is from. So for example, you have the goddess of love in Greek mythology, which is Aphrodite, and then you have a goddess of love in Norse mythology, which is Freya. And there are some soft polytheists that believe that Freya, Aphrodite, any other love goddesses across the various pantheons are all the same deity. They just have a different name depending on you know, where you are in the world. Same for um, Zeus and Thor. They're both lightning gods. So if they are dominion over these same areas, then they are the same gods or goddess, the same energy. So rather than having a distinct deity in as you do in hard polytheism for every deity, every pantheon, each one is separate. Um, there are some soft polytheists that believe that they are, you know, maybe only 30 to 50. And instead of having all of these different names, they are kind of all the same one and they just evolved to have different names for different regions in the world. So soft polytheism obviously is where the most debate comes into play. And a lot of religion scholars just believe that this is another word for monotheism or pantheism. Um, And pantheism is the belief that everything is God, everything is divine, whether that is, you know, you or me or goddess energy, the tree outside, everything is divinity, everything is divine and all together. So there is quite a bit of debate around this topic. But again, I like to remind everyone when they are debating gods and goddesses and how to work with them, nobody knows the exact answer. Nobody knows what happens in the other realms. Nobody knows what happens in the afterlife. There is no positive confirmation on this. And that's why we have so many different religions that we do. And everyone is free to believe what they want to believe because nobody has the correct answer. So really it's about the study and figuring out what feels right to you. There is no right or wrong answer. Even if somebody tells you that, you know, soft polytheism doesn't make sense. How could it just be, you know, male or female energy? But if Wicca speaks to you, if hard polytheism speaks to you, whatever it is, it's just a personal practice and study and you can change your mind over the years. Nobody knows what the answer is. So it is just something that you will have to decide for yourself. The other side and part of that debate is whether or not anyone can practice. There is the idea of closed religions and that often comes up in paganism and witchcraft because there are these traditions that have been handed down that are closed practice and you cannot be in them and work with the deities that are a part of them unless you have been initiated into that practice. So everyone is mostly familiar with Native American spirituality here in the United States. People are familiar with voodoo. You cannot work with in those religions and those pantheons if you are not if you haven't been initiated into those because those are closed practices. But there are a lot of other religions and pantheons that are completely open. So this sort of question comes up a lot with the more European um, pantheons that are out there. Norse comes up a lot and Norse comes up a lot as being problematic. And I am going to have um, a guest on to chat all about uh, Norse, the Norse pantheon and Norse mythology. All of those things in general um, are going to come up. That is going to be next week. 
So stay tuned for that. But that one often comes up just because of where the region that it's from. Um, there, it tends to be very whitewashed, and there can be a lot of racism in that. But I don't know any true Norse followers that believe that it is a close practice and you have to be, you know, blonde and white in order to practice that. I don't think anybody who is a legitimate practice practitioner of Norse paganism believes that because that is absolutely insane. So Norse is not closed, nor is Celtic, Greek, Egyptian. There's a lot of those that are open and you are free to work with those deities in those pantheons as you see fit, even if you do not have that ancestry. So that is something that I've talked about on this podcast before because my ancestry is all over the place because I was adopted. So I don't believe personally that you need to have any sort of um, blood relation to the religion or pantheon that you want to practice as long as it speaks to you and it is not a closed practice. So I have Italian, I have German, I have Norse in my blood, but my father was Indian. My mother is Irish. So technically, like, could I, could I go for those? That's how I was raised. I don't know. I personally don't do any sort of deity work. That is a question that comes up a lot. It's not something, it's something I'm familiar with, but not something that is currently involved in my practice. I'm not, you know, really open to that. You never say never, like things can change, but you know, since everybody wants to know like, what is my opinion on these sorts of things, um, I do not practice any sort of deity work. I would be considered a hard polytheist. I believe that all of those deities are distinct and separate. So for my example that I gave earlier, where I said Aphrodite is the Greek goddess of love and Freya is the Greek goddess or the Norse goddess of love, I think that is an oversimplification to say that those two are the same because Freya is also the goddess of war. And in Greek mythology, that's Athena. Those are, those are two separate deities in uh, the Greek pantheon. So I think it's an oversimplification to say that those are exactly the same. I don't think there's any um, deities across the board that are exactly the same between two different pantheons. I think that they're, they all have their own personalities. They have their own mythology. And there's too many distinctions between all of them for them to just all be the same and just have a different name depending on where you are in the world. I think they are all distinct. All the pantheons are distinct. All the deities are distinct. So I would be considered a hard polytheist, but I just do not work with any in my current practice. But again, that is something that you have to decide for yourself, decide what you believe, decide what you want to work with, and know that you have a lot of options. We did an episode um, on the various pagan paths, and we went over so many options in that episode of the different religions and pagan paths that you can look into. There's so many different options. So highly recommend checking that out if you want to get some more ideas and see what calls to you. But I, yes, believe in hard polytheism, and I believe that as long as it's not a closed practice, you can work with any one of those that you choose to. I also believe that you can work with multiple. So I don't think that you have to commit yourself only to the Greek pantheon or only the Celtic pantheon. I think you can pull from both of those, multiple of those, as long as you are willing to put in the work and effort that it takes to maintain a relationship with those deities and can manage properly doing that within your practice which is what I'm going to get into with this, how to work with them, how to 
do offerings, whether you should fear them, all of those regular questions that I get. The first distinction that I want to make, because this comes up a lot, nobody directly asks this question, but it comes up within um, other questions. So I wanted to make the distinction between worship versus work with, because those imply two different things within the practice. So some of the questions that say, you know, how do I worship this, this, that, it, it, you're tr- what you're really trying to get at is work with. So worship is very one directional. And that is more in line with the Abrahamic religions that we're more familiar with, with like Christianity or Judaism. I know a lot of people uh, within those religions do believe that they are getting something back from their prayers. Somebody is answering them. But worship is really a more one directional thing. And you can work with any deity. You can worship any deity. So in the same way that you worship in the, say, Catholic faith, go to church on Sundays and, you know, say the prayers, take communion, all of those worship aspects can be done with any deity. You would set up your altars, you would say prayers to them, and it's very one directional. They may, you know, answer a prayer and and speak to you in that way and guide you along, but it is very different than the word work with. Working with goes both ways. It offers a sense of connection because these deities can work with you within your practice and really help you grow. And they can also push you quite a bit. So something we're going to get into in the next question, but it can be a much more hands-on relationship where you are each getting some sort of benefit. So rather than just the one directional idea of worship, which is absolutely an option, perfectly fine. There is also this idea of work with and work with is really when um, what we're talking about when we say that we are working with Aphrodite and invoking her spirit when we are making you know, a self-love ritual bath. That is not just about worshiping the deity. That's about asking for something in return and asking for um, the assistance when you are blessing your rose petals that you are going to use in your ritual bath. So there's no wrong way to go about that. And you may do both. There may be some deities that you just worship and you, you know, put out an offering and appreciate them and appreciate their energy. And then there may be other deities that you choose to work with on a more daily basis, a more hands-on basis, asking them for help in a particular spell that you are doing. So could be both. And as far as the how to, um, work with them, that is going to be completely based on your personal practice. Because every deity has their own personality, but you have to think of them as similar to a human being, a friend of yours. There are different facets to their personality. You may have a friend who is very motherly and has very nurturing instincts, but that's not the only facet of their personality. They might, they're not just a mother. They might have a career. They might have a husband. They might have pets. They might have a home to attend to. There are a lot of different uh, facets that make up our personalities and deities are the same. So um, Bridget, for example, would have in the Celtic pantheon would have that nurturing motherly aspect, but she is a triple goddess. She has lots of aspects. Um, it has dominion over many different areas. So she has much more than just that motherly instinct. So you have to keep that in mind. So when I say work with, every witch's experience with a deity is going to be completely different. You will not find any 
two witches who work with a deity in the exact same way. There might be a lot of similarities, but it won't be identical. And again, just think of it as your group of friends. You probably have more than one and your friend has other friends. So your relationship with them is not going to be exactly the same as anyone else's relationship with them because it is based on your experiences, your shared experiences, your own personality and how that plays off of each other. So deity work is going to be exactly the same. So definitely no two are going to be the same. There is no right or wrong way. There are reference points. So if you really are curious about how to work with a specific deity, I would absolutely recommend checking out books on the subject or other um, YouTubers, Instagrammers who show how they work with that particular deity so you can get ideas from that, but just know that your working relationship with them is going to be completely different. It can be very ceremonial or it can be very simple. Again, lots of different ways to do this. Some will set up the full altar, cast the circle, have all the offerings laid out and make it a very ceremonial, personal process. And then there are others who are very casual about it and have this working relationship with their particularly particular deity where they say, hey, Aphrodite, I need help real quick. Jump into this candle spell right now. I need you. And that is a very simple way to, to call them and request their assistance in your practice. So it really depends on you and how you feel comfortable and the relationship that you have between that yourself and that god or goddess. When it comes to this idea of creating a working relationship, the number one question that I get from new witches is, should deities be feared? So fear is uh, an interesting word for me when I get questions about this, because I think if you are afraid of anything within witchcraft, you shouldn't be doing it. So there are some witches who are afraid of spirit work, of demon work, afraid of baneful magic, afraid of just starting spell work in general. And if you have a fear of something, I don't think you should be doing it because that is your gut, your intuition, which we shall be listening to um, and trying to hone that. That is your intuition telling you that you are not ready. Not that there's anything inherently bad about it or inherently to be feared, just that you don't know enough yet and you're not ready to take that next step. So if you are approaching this from a place of fear, just just don't do it. There is nothing that says that you have to work with deities. Like I already mentioned, I don't. So absolutely nothing that says that you need to do any of this to be a proper witch. So if you are coming from a place of fear, just let it go. You don't even have to do it. But if you are not exactly fearful, but you're a little more cautious, that would be a little bit different. And in that case, you really want to think about where does that idea come from in the first place of why you even think that would be. So there's you know usually two main reasons for this. So first is to think about where that idea even came from in the first place, because a lot of us have been conditioned to think like over the years due to you know all of the effort the Catholic Church has put in to paint indigenous religions as evil and less than. So it makes us fearful. And I know in Christianity in particular that in the Old Testament, God could be very punishing. The, so the idea of the sky god, which a lot of pagan religions have an overarching like one sky god, there's Odin and Zeus, there's a lot of different options, and they can be very punishing. So it sort of instills this fear of all gods 
And that is what a lot of ancient texts used to use to try to keep people in line, was this overarching fear of this head god. And Christianity did the same thing in the Old Testament that and Judaism, that this one God can be very punishing, you know, raining down sulfur and turning people into pillars of salt. There's a lot of examples in the Bible of a God being punishing. So stop and, and think about if that's where that comes from. If you have this deep-seated idea that these religions are evil because Christianity told you that they are evil, because that is what a lot of what happened. But of course, on the flip side of that, there are also stories from religions that predate Christianity. And those have scary gods. So whether that idea affects your practice depends on how literally you take that mythology. So Greek, for example, is one that a lot of people are familiar with. Just it, it's prevalent in our culture, in our movies. There's you know Hercules and the Percy Jackson movies. So we are familiar with a lot of Greek mythology. And there are a lot of stories in that mythology where the gods and goddesses look terrible and do terrible things. So that is could absolutely be a reason why you feared them. A lot of the goddesses would get jealous and burn people's faces off. There are a lot of stories like that. That's you know, how Medusa came about. That's a horrible myth. I love Medusa. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of these scary stories. So it depends on how literally you take those. Do you think that those things actually happened? That those deities actually smited people like that? Or do you think it was, you know, a, a parallel, a story that you're supposed to uh, take the lessons from, but not believe that that ex happened exactly the way that it's laid out? That is something that you have to decide for yourself. I personally don't fear any gods and goddesses because I don't believe that those mythology, I believe that they're stories that have been, you know, told and exaggerated, but I don't think that they are exactly true to what happened. And I know a lot of witches and pagans who work with these various pantheons today, and I don't know of anybody who has had these horrible things happen to them that have, again, burned their faces off or turned them into goats that everything has been fine. So I think those are more you know, stories and fables than they are historical truths. I also believe that the idea that any one god or goddess is dangerous, period, is much too narrow. There are many different communication styles and you just have to adapt. So I think that is where a lot of the confusion can come in and a lot of the fear can come in because there are certain gods and goddesses that have a darker energy surrounding them. So that would be um, Hecate and Hades and Hell from the Norse pantheon, that they're not inherently bad or evil or dangerous. They just have sort of this darker, um, sometimes more chaotic energy around them. And it's really just a different communication style. And again, think about your various group of friends. They are not all the same. They do not have all the same energy and you don't communicate with all of them in the same way. You wouldn't speak to your best friend in the same way that you speak to your boss. So I think part of that fear just comes from not understanding and not knowing how to approach the situation. And again, like anyone else, just be respectful. You'd be respectful of your boss. You're respectful of your friends. There's no reason why you shouldn't be respectful of deities as well. So in my view, everything is neutral just like all things in nature. Everything is neutral. Water nourishes. We need it to survive. We need to drink it, but it also destroys. When you think about floods and hurricanes, as do all the elements, they, they all have 
the properties that we need to sustain life, but they all have the capability to completely destroy. So it's all about how these things are put to use. So I don't believe that anything actually is inherently evil or dangerous, except for humans. Humans are a whole different story. We're inherently evil and dangerous. But other than that, all these aspects of nature, deities, everything is neutral and it's about how that is put to use. I think something that can help if you are still concerned or fearful um, or just you know going into it with a cautious mind is to know how to properly protect yourself because you cannot be hurt if you are properly protected. I think it's like the number one um, thing that should be in a witch's arsenal and in general, I believe that you should not, you know, call anything, bring forth anything that you don't also know how to banish. And the same goes for deity work is just know how to protect yourself, know how to get out of the situation before you get into it, which is just good life advice in general. So know how to protect yourself. I have information on the podcast about protections. I have it on Patreon and YouTube. So absolutely check those out. And I think I will probably do another podcast specific episode about protections and wards uh, later on this year. So, you know, stay tuned for that. And I also think it's important to set boundaries. And I think you have to set boundaries in any relationship, whether that is with a spiritual entity or not. You need to know what you're willing to put in. You need to know what you want to get out of it. You are not a doormat to be walked all over and used. And you are also not the top of the pyramid where you get to step on everything beneath you. So, you have to be able to set those boundaries for yourself. You have to, and you can set them with the deities in the exact same way that you set boundaries with your friends. You let them know what you are and are not comfortable with. And I have found from speaking to many practitioners that deities and other spirits will respect your boundaries. You're not being a jerk about it. You are just saying, I cannot commit to this right now. I value my personal space. So, you know, when I interact with you, this usually goes with spirits and not deities, but to tell a spirit, I want to interact with you in this location. My bedroom is off limits. They respect that, you know, fade, whatever, respect that. So deity work is sort of the same where you establish your boundaries of when you need to be left alone, how much, you know, energy and things you're willing to put in, what you are expecting in return. That is just part of a balanced, healthy, respectful relationship that it works both ways. So know how to set your own boundaries before you even get into it. So the next common question after you get over what is it, how to work with them, should they be feared, is how do you contact a deity and are they trying to contact you in return? So first is, is are they reaching out because everybody likes signs. So everyone's experience is different. Not everybody is going to get the, the sign from a deity in the same way. So remember that your own experience is going to be completely different than anything that you have read about online, but not everything is a sign. I cannot stress that enough. Gods and goddesses especially do not reach out as often as we like to think they do. They really don't. So unlikely that random things are a sign. Signs should be extraordinary or they should happen a lot in a short period of time. So it should be something that has never happened to you before that should not be happening, um, shouldn't be you know common for your area, but came out of nowhere and happened to you, or something that happens a lot in a short period of time. So a lot of which is like the number three, and that would be some sort of scenario that's out of the ordinary that happens to you three times in a row. So for example, if you live... Um, 
in an area where you don't get a certain kind of animal very often, let's say that's a coyote, and then all of a sudden you see a coyote three times in one week, that is probably a sign, in which case you might want to research which deities are associated with coyotes. But again, it should be extraordinary and it should you know, happen a few times in a row. I have lots of cats in my backyard, lots of cats, but I am not taking that as a sign from Freya or from Bast. I know that I feed them. I put cans out. There's one that, one or two that showed up a couple of years ago and now we feed them every single day. So that's why the cats are out there. It's not a sign. They are coming to eat. So, and feral cats in general are not a sign in Chicago. Chicago let them out on purpose to control the mice and rat population. So cities have feral cats. That is, that's just what we do. So I wouldn't take those as a sign. But if you live in an area where everybody keeps their cats indoors, you really have never seen a cat wandering around in your neighborhood, and all of a sudden you see three black cats in a row on the same corner, um, you know, three times in one week, just staring at you, that is probably a sign from somewhere, in which case you might want to start looking up who offers, who is, you know, sacred to cats, who offers signs in the form of cats. So just keep in mind that they're, they're kind of rare. Don't go looking for them. I think there's also confirmation bias that when we are looking for a sign and we want to see it, we will see it. Um, we will start seeing it everywhere. But again, if it's extraordinary, it comes out of nowhere, just start doing your research. So, uh, Googling is really the first place to start um, and see what the significance of those signs are. Some deities also reach out through Claire abilities. So, you know, Claire audience where you can hear something that is clearly not your own voice. Um, you can see things, touch things, um, smell things. That is a very common one that you don't have a candle lit. There's no reason for all of a sudden this overwhelming smell of lilac to be around you, but there it is. That could be a deity trying to reach out who is associated with lilacs. Um, that happens a lot. They also reach out during meditation and dreams and during divination. So if you find that you are pulling the same tarot card or the same rune over and over again, um, that could be a deity trying to reach out in some way. Lots of different options. Again, if that happens to you, that would be a time to start diving a little bit deeper and look into that. But in my experience, it's not as common as people like to believe. So if instead you would like to contact them and you know initiate the contact, you have your boundaries in place, you have your ideas of how you would like to worship them or work with them, and you would like to start establishing that connection, there are a few different ways that you could try. You could use that same idea of tarot cards or runes and speak to them that way. Use the divination and say that you are reaching out. Use some imagery or the runes that are sacred to that particular deity. You could try a pendulum. There are a lot of different ideas of what makes the pendulum work. What is it that is giving you answers? And you can use that in different ways at different times. So you can specifically ask a deity to contact you, use the pendulum and direct the answers through that pendulum. You could try what's called automatic writing. So that would be where you go into a trance-like state and just write and whatever comes out on the page is what comes out. And you may get symbols through that. You may get words, um, sentences that are associated with a particular deity you can also meditate and do dream work in general and ask uh, deities to come to you. You could 
ask for a particular one if you have done the research and you really dove into the mythology and the ideas and there's one particular one that you would really like to work with, you could reach out directly or you can just sort of put feelers out there and say, I would like to start, you know, working, start a working relationship. Here are the things that I'm looking to do in my witchcraft practice and my pagan path. And if anybody is out there who would like to join me on that and would like to work with me and in return, I will have, you know, these offerings and this, then you can just do a general blanket reach out. That is always an option. And you can do that through meditation or dream work. If you think that someone is trying to reach out to you, but you're not sure, you can always ask for a very specific sign. They know that humans like to be hit over the head with signs. So it is perfectly acceptable to go ahead and ask and say that, you know, I I think this is you, whoever, God or goddess reaching out. And if it is, please leave me this sign. And it could be very specific, like a raven feather on your front doorstep where that has never happened to you before. You might not even have ravens in your area. Um, And if that happens, that is your for sure sign. Just keep in mind, be aware that they may not want to work with you. They have the free will as well, so can't force anything there. And communicating can be hard. A lot of witches who share their practice and lives online make it look like it's very easy, but it can be very difficult, especially when you are first starting out. It's something that comes with time and practice and being very open with your own intuition and psychic abilities. So it can be very difficult at first. So just keep at it. Um, But if it doesn't happen the first time, it doesn't happen for a few months, um, that is completely normal and that's okay too. Don't think that. Um, If you haven't mastered it by tomorrow that you're a failure, communication is hard in general. It's hard between humans and it's hard between uh, other spirits. And also know that they can and will leave at any point. They're not going to stick around with you 24 hours a day and they might just end the relationship at any point that it's not no longer working for them. They don't think that it's working for you. Maybe they will lead you to a different deity to work with um, where they think that you need the energy of somebody else and they can't help you right now. Uh, So relationships end all the time. So be prepared for that as well. I also want to touch on the idea of a patron deity. So according to Wikipedia, a patron deity is a guardian, patron, or protector of a particular place, geographic feature, person, lineage, nation, culture, or occupation. Lots of different, you know, cities have uh, patron deities. So Athens, Athena, <laughs> that, that is the first one that comes to mind. Um, occupation, the one I'm familiar with is Lou or Tyr, and that is for lawyers because they are the gods of justice and truth. So a lot of different ways that pa- patron deities work for that. Uh, I think a lot of people that come from Abrahamic religions are familiar with the idea of patron saints and um, adopting a saint to be your patron, whether that is because they are the patron saint of firemen, my husband has one of those, uh, or they, whatever has to do with your religion or just characteristics that you would like to embody. So the idea of a patron deity would work the same. It is absolutely not necessary to have one. Again, like um, with any deities, you can work with a whole bunch and it can just be a side part of your practice. You don't have to have an overarching patron that you work with above all the others um, or only one that you share this connection with. It can also change over time, but it is just this idea that you have um, one that you've sort of adopted that really sums up your practice that you work with really regularly and really like to embody the traits of. 
So this is, again, is something that you can choose like any other sort of deity work. Uh, you can do your research and find one that particularly calls to you and make that sort of the, your focus. Or they may also reach out to you, especially once you start doing more deity work and start getting more clear in your practice and your path and what you need deity assistance for. Um, there might be one that chooses you and hits you over the head overwhelmingly uh, that they are your patron and that they would like to be sort of, you know, top tier and work with you quite often. So the last things I want to touch on are how to connect or bond with deities and uh, the idea of offerings. So I won't go too much into depth on these uh, two particular things because I think this has already been a longer episode. And also these are things that I've touched on in previous episodes. So just going to go over the basics, but if you have any other questions about these, please let me know. So how to connect or bond with the deities. First is of course, reading. They always appreciate it when you read their mythologies and understand where they came from, where those stories came from, why they are associated with whatever dominion they're associated with. You can use prayers in the same way that Abrahamic religions use prayers. You could write your own uh, and reach out to them specifically that way. You can observe their holidays. A lot of deities are associated with particular times of year and a lot are associated with particular holidays like Lou is associated with Lunasa and Brigid is associated with Imbolc. There are often days associated with the deity, whether that was uh, the day that they were born or a season that they are associated with. You could craft a deity, just about anything, a deity candle, deity oil, a deity altar, uh, a deity playlist. A lot of people really connect with music and they connect a deity with a certain you know type of music and emotion. So creating a playlist just for them um, is a great way to connect with them, to bond with them. And then you can use that playlist while you are at your specific deity altar um, using their specific candles and, and oils that you've crafted. Statues and effigies are very popular. So, you know, a candle could be one of those things if it is in the shape, but there are also a lot of statues dedicated to uh, the various gods and goddesses and also um, statues that you could get that are of their sacred animals. You could also create a ritual offering. That is a great way to bond with them, to connect with them. A lot of people think that you know, establishing that working relationship is the only time that you can sort of contact them, uh, but that you know, turns into a situation where you're only talking to them when you need something. And how annoying is that when you have a friend that does that, that they only ever contact you when they want something, when they need something, when they have something to vent about, but they never ask about your day. That's kind of what that is when you're only, you know, talking to and invoking these deities when you need help with something. Um, maybe just create an offering for the sake of it. Do some sort of ritual and ask for nothing in return. Just reaching out to see how they're doing and show appreciation um, without asking anything in return because that is a great way to, you know, further bond and create a great relationship. And of course, like I already mentioned with the idea of patron deities is just embodying their values. So if you in particular have a god or goddess that you are working with and uh, they value nature, or like I said, cats, then embodying their values by taking care of nature, picking up litter, feeding feral cats and feral animals, putting bird seed out um, if they have a bird that is sacred to them. That is a great way to 
connect with them and further establish that bond is just living the way that they would want you to and embodying their values that they prize. So the last thing is offerings. Offerings get, you know, lots of questions about that, about what to leave as an offering. So many, many different ways to do this across the board. First is research. So that is a great way to connect in general, but it is also an offering in and of itself, just reading and understanding because you are devoting your time and energy. And that really is what an offering is. It doesn't have to always be something physical, something that costs you money. It can just be your time and your energy. Those things are valuable. And if you are spending those things on them, on researching them and reading their mythology, that is a great way to make that into an offering. Candles are a very popular offering, just lighting a candle um, in their honor. Maybe that is daily, especially if you have a big pillar candle, you might light that for a few minutes every morning before you snuff that out. It's just the offering of the day. Uh, Incense is another popular one, especially if they have flowers and herbs that are associated with them, then an incense in that scent would be a great way to start your day. Food and drink, of course, is one of the most popular. So that could be fresh water, but it could also be liquor and it could be any sort of food, especially food that you have made yourself um, rather than something store-bought because there is, again, that added time and energy and effort that went into making that food. And then along with that, I also get the question of what do you do with it when it's done? Uh, And that entirely depends on your tradition and how you would feel and how you think the deity would feel. So some traditions say to eat it, And some traditions say that it's sacred and you have to dispose of it in some other way. So I think that, again, it depends on your traditions. And I think that it can change from deity to deity. And the same goes for offerings that you leave for the fae or for ancestors. So some consider it theirs and that is their offering. So you need to dispose of it, you know, bury it outside or something. Because if you consume it, then you're taking it away from them. And then others would see it as wasteful. So if you, this comes up with ancestors a lot, that ancestors, when you put out um, food and drink for them, and then you just throw it out, they think that you are being so wasteful and they're so mad at you. They're like, wait a minute, you, you need to eat that. We don't waste food in this house. You've probably heard your parents say that. So that is very common with ancestors, but some deities feel that way as well. Um, so it is completely up to you. I think a great sort of middle ground is using something that is safe for the environment um, and then returning that outdoors. So maybe you are using uh, birdseed for your offering, leave that out for a day, and then the next day you put it out for the animals to actually consume and return it to nature that way. So lots of different ways that you can go about that. But again, it depends on your traditions and how you think that they would feel. And again, that way of returning it to nature could also be an offering in and of itself. So if you were deity that you are working with has an animal that is important to them, that is sacred to them, then finding the food for that animal, finding that animal in nature and giving them that offering can be an offering directly to their deity. You could also just get little statues of the animals and place them on your altar as an offering that way. You can do the same thing with tools. A lot of deities have specific tools that they work with and that they are known for, again, if it is related to their profession, like blacksmithing, um, that is a great option. But there are also deities of you know, poetry and writing, in which case you can leave a pen and paper on the altar. A very straightforward way to 
make an offering, something that we do for other humans as well, is to make a donation. So if there is a cause that is important to one of your friends, making a donation is directly supporting them and making an offering to them. And you can do the same thing for a deity. So if your deity, um, their sacred animal is dogs, then making a donation to your local animal shelter is a great way to honor them and make that a specific offering to your deity. You can also volunteer at any of those places. Then the last thing that I wanted to say as far as offerings go, especially when you are creating the working relationship, you're asking for signs and everything else, you can also just ask them what they want. Um, Some will let you know in some way or another that whatever you left is not what they like. But if you are very confused about what they do want, you can just ask them and they will send you signs and they will maybe um, work with you through your dreams or various divination methods and tell you exactly what they want. So some can be very straightforward. Um, Some are a little more, you know, encouraging you to use your intuition, but some are very straightforward and will just tell you, I want this instead. Um, So it's always an option to reach out directly and ask them. So that is everything that I wanted to share about deities, about polytheism. Let me know again, if you have any questions, head over to Instagram, which Wednesday's podcast, and let me know. Uh, Send me an email, whatever. I will be around And if you are listening to this on Spotify, they have the little question box so you can answer. Let me know if you believe in hard polytheism, soft polytheism, or something else. I am always interested to see how people sort of think about these topics that we really don't have any answers on. I'm always curious what everyone else believes and how they got to that point. So let me know over there. Otherwise, I will see you next week to chat about Norse paganism. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.